trials and sorrow. Wow, what a tri- <laughs> what a trial um, this week as uh, Pastor Jeff was gone and we were working through the music piece of everything. It's not always going to go smooth, is it? It's rough. Just like I referred to rocks last week and we built um, different rocks and they start to fit in place and God smooths us out. Um, Liam, will you help me? I brought some rocks for you guys to take. So if you'll take them around, people can actually choose a rock of their own that you guys will be able to keep. Um, I've been keeping the rock that I, I have here over the past week and thinking about all the, the edges and corners that can definitely be uh, dangerous to other people. But God continues to smooth those out. Amen. So um, today as we, we look through this, we're going to talk about trials, building it together as a family. As I, I talked to you last week, we have to filter it through those glasses of Scripture. We have to filter it through what Jesus taught us on how to love one another. According to John thirteen thirty four, He gave us that new commandment um, to love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Right? So we have to practice this. We have to practice it. And by practicing this through trials and loss, um, we build and we cement these rocks. We cement the family together in this congregation. Um, as we go through this, we must remember love. Love is an action and a behavior. It's not an emotion. A lot of people equate um, love as a, an emotion. Did you take one? Okay. All right. It's not an emotion. It's something that we work through. It's something that we show to other people. And so, um, as you have your rocks, pay attention to, to what God does. And maybe you're flat on one side. And yeah, that's really good. Maybe you can work in that way and set it down. And you can build from there. Or maybe, as sometimes I've even seen God crack a rock and do away with one part of somebody. Right? Because He wants to create a whole new person within us. And so, we never know what's going to happen. Alright, so we're going to focus on the trials and sorrows today. But let me read the introduction I have here. We can think we are like family, but what binds us together is life. Sorrows and trials can make or break a group of people. We have experienced some of these trials, and we've experienced some losses through the years within our congregation family. It's, it's actually helped to bind us together. I have seen us build relationships stronger by showing love to one another in times of trials. I have also seen in some ways people get hurt because they were not shown Christ's love in a manner that they needed it most. Perhaps I and you have an edge in our personality that stays away at certain times because we are uncomfortable with a certain situation. And that is when others may need us the most. So lean in softly and let God smooth you out on that jagged point, on that edge of that rock. We as a Disciple Center family continue to grow in this life together. We learn to love one another and we have to give each other grace. Right? 
it, it's hard. Especially today, when it, we're going to get into loss and grieving, and that's something that people will actually um, not even talk about. I deal with that when I'm in mental health out of school, and trust me, when I've seen it over and over and over, when it comes to that piece of life, people struggle because they don't have that hope. They don't know what happens after this life. Thanks to God, we know and we have that heavenly perspective. This rock, trust me when I say it was another piece of a bigger rock at one point. But we can continue to allow God to melt us together and work within us to grow our congregation stronger in faith and stronger with one another. Remember, we always have to put on our glasses of faith and look as Jesus did with his disciples and with the people. All right, trials. This is one thing I always love to start where we do really good at things. And trials, what people have gone through, we've done really well at over the years. And so before we get into that Ecclesiastes passage, I'm going to look at Leviticus 23:22, And it says here, it gives us instructions on how to set aside pieces of our tithe. And it tells the farmer, when you reap the harvest of your land, moreover, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, not gather the gleaning of your harvest. You are to leave them for the needy and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Gives us specific instructions later on, if you want to look it up, I'm not going to quote it here and have you turn there, but in Deuteronomy 14, 28 through 29, it tells you to set aside a, almost a fourth of a percent of your tithe for the needy, for the widow, for the poor. And so we do that greatly in our congregation because we're always able to help those who are practicing this and have been blessed to help others and say, it's no effect on me. I've seen it. Kara's talked about it even in her own life before she was uh, married to me and how it's been a blessing to help others in that way. Think about that story of Ruth. That is a perfect example of Ruth. She was going out and gleaning from the uh, corners of the field. Um, and so that's another example of taking care of your brother or your sister. Boaz ends up marrying her. right? So what a blessing that was. And Tied to this um, commandment is a true blessing. It says, if you bless those, I will bless you in this way. So there is something when our Abba tells us to do something, just when our children also follow our instructions, there's a blessing that comes along with it. Jesus fed 5,000. They were hungry. And so he, he gets the, the fish and the loaves and he says a barakah. Uh, Matthew 14 says he healed the blind. Think about that. You're blind in your life. I can think about that. I had an experience for about two weeks where I was blind. And my um, sight and my body was hurting. And then it came back. I can actually see how Jesus himself had mercy on this man. That's exactly what we should be showing mercy upon whenever Jesus took the time to get to know him and then actually heal him. Don't just give um, a bag to him or something. Maybe go take him to lunch. The person on the side of the road, get to know them. John 9, he he heals the lame. 
Um, Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 44, Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. That's a hard commandment to do. Maybe that rock is very jagged when it comes to somebody persecuting you. But you have to remember, we're not of this world. We're of His world, and so we are to do that commandment. All right. Some of the things, like I said, learning how to love people um, during loss can definitely be difficult. But I wanted to point out to you Ecclesiastes 7. Let's read from there now. This whole passage. Is it better to be in a house of feasting or in a house of mourning? Ecclesiastes. I love this this, uh, book because it points out that there's all shades of life, all building relationships of life. And so this whole book talks about various times, but life is futility. Solomon must have had one heck of a perspective at this time whenever he was writing this. But Ecclesiastes 7, 2-14 says, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. Wow. Why? Because that's your opportunity to share your hope. That's your opportunity to see what God has. When somebody's hurting, you're able to bring that comfort and that light into that house. The person that's feasting, they don't really want to contemplate life. I've been there. I've done that. I've seen both sides of it. Sorrow is better than laughter. For when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. You'll get everybody under the sun. If you say, hey, I'm going to have steaks, and we're going to party, and we're going to have pool, and everybody come over, you will get a full house of people, especially if you go out and just announce it to the world. They will all come at that point. But the house of mourning, people tend to stay away from. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man for one to listen to the songs of fools. For as the crackling of thorn bushes and under a pot, so is the laughter of a fool. And this too is futility. For oppression makes a wise man mad, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Do not say, Why is that the former days were better than those? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about these. Why do we do that? Why do we say in the good old days when I was 14 we used to do this? Why not say God is working in me? Thank you, Lord, for getting me through whatever it was I've gone through. Today, we give you praise and honor. Interesting, that points to today. Don't look backwards. Even though that may have been good, memories help us. But today is a good day. Alright. Wisdom along with an inheritance is good, and an advantage to those who see the sun. The wisdom is protection just as money is protection, but the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the lives of its possessors. Get that. Wisdom is what we should be seeking. 
Consider the work of God. For who is able to straighten what he has bent? We go through trials, we go through tribulations, and God is turning it, and he's going to make it better for our good. Don't ask why, just go through it. Know he's still with you. In the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, stop. Consider what's going on. God has made the one as well as the other. He works in those trials to build us up. He works and He wants us to find contentment. It's not easy to be content when you see other people having. But it's a lot easier to know that He's going to get us through if you trust that He's still by your side and He's still working on your life. Ecclesiastes says, again I'll read it, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. We all go through these trials. We all go through these tribulations. And we can all usually look back and see how God has worked within us. I couldn't get through that passage of Scripture without thinking of uh, Job. How should we approach somebody that's going through these trials? How should we approach somebody that's going through a loss? Let's read, I'm going to read Job 2, 11 through 13. It says, Now, when Job's three friends heard of all his adversity, he had lost his daughters, he had lost his sons, he has lost so much, his friends decided we're going to go to him. That had come upon him, they came each one from his own place, Eliphaz the Timonite, Bildad the Shuahite, Zophar the Nehemite, and they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him and comfort him. When they lifted up, so they got on their iPhones, and they coordinated to come together to comfort him, right? They're working together. They're saying, hey, he's having a really hard time. We've got to go to him and comfort him. When they lifted up their eyes at a distance, they're walking in because they don't have their Mercedes Benz, right? They're coming in on their camels and did not, they didn't even recognize him because of all the trials and tribulations he had gone through. They raised their voice and wept. And each of them tore their robe and they threw dust on their head towards the sky. Then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, with no one speaking a word to him, for they saw that his pain was very great. That right there tells me exactly how I should act. If somebody's going through something, I may not be able to do anything, but I can be next to him. I can sit there with them. Because you all know, those three end up going on, and as soon as they start talking, it's not a good thing. I've been in the house of mourning. I've been there with the loved ones, have said goodbye to their family member, and whenever the loved one finally passed away. And I, I remember going and asking Bruce when Irina's dad was about to go, I said, they want me to come out 
And he said, okay, we'll go out together. And um, so we went out there, and I said, but what do you do at these times? What do you do when you go to the hospital? I was really rough around that edge, that rock. I could definitely see how I would scratch somebody. They're so easy to tear at that point. And he said, just be there. Just be there. Bring your Bible. Be ready to read. Stop. If they're not talking to you, that's fine. Pray for them silently at that time. Just be there. Right there in Job, it's talking about the same thing. When they are ready to talk, you you just ask them, what, what is there that I can do? And they say, there's not much. You just say, do you mind if I stay and I sit here? You're there for them during that time. Trust me when I say they will remember that. They always have and they always will. That helps build that relationship up for later. Talk about active listening and reflective statements. If they are willing to talk to you, active listening means you shut your mouth, open your two ears, and all you're doing is listening. And you reflect back on them what they're saying. So they know that you're hearing them. You can ask them if you want them to be prayed with, prayed for, and pray with them if they want you to pray. But don't be offended if they say no right now. Some people go through a period of time where they're mad at God. And that's fine. Let them go through that. Sit there with them. Be willing to be like Jesus and don't make it about yourself. If the loss is at a distance, um, which my mom's husband, his father at 93 just passed away in Oklahoma. From a distance, I sent flowers. I didn't know it would have that much impact. But that's the way it was in the Southern Baptist way so long ago that either you brought over potluck and you and I would I looked around at counters in the kitchen and going, wow, they have so many pies and so many casseroles. Right? But today it's a lot different. People don't do that all the time. I will generally ask, hey, can I bring over a bunch of food for you? What is there that you guys need? But I don't force it on somebody. Be there for them. Help them through that. Don't steer away from turning to them and supporting them during those times. Luke seven eleven through 17 says, it teaches us, about Jesus. Man, how I wish I could raise people from the dead. How many of you wish you could do that too? When you have compassion, if you love other people, you want to help them. You want to be able to do whatever you can to take that hurt away. And our Master Himself, you'll see that in this passage here. He's walking along with His disciples and then all of a sudden He comes across a funeral of a man that was dead and they were bearing, going through the funeral possession, procession. So Luke seven eleven through 17 says, Soon afterwards he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, that's Jesus, accompanied by a large crowd, because everywhere he went they wanted to see what he was going to do next. Now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, 
the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a sizable crowd from the city was with her. So get this. The only child she had didn't have a husband anymore because just called her a widow. And her one and only son died. When Jesus saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. He came up, touched the coffin. Okay, they're going... He may have already been dead for several days. They're taking him to his final resting point. And Jesus touches the coffin. What do we know about Jesus? He is the life and resurrection of all things. For he teaches in the Lazarus story, he tells Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. He touches the coffin Because of his compassion, and the bears came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. The man sat up and began to speak. Yeshua gave him back to his mother. He had compassion. Today, in our congregation, I challenge you because death is hard No matter what congregation you're in, no matter what you're going through, it's hard to say goodbye to a loved one on this side of earth, on this side of heaven. But yet, we can take refuge knowing that there is a promise to come. In 1 Thessalonians, it says in 4.13, and I'm um, summarizing this, we do not grieve as those who have no hope, but as those who have hope in the one who first rose from the dead himself, Yeshua, our brother, our master, and our savior. If you don't lean into him, you're not going to, you're going to cause some damage because our brothers and our sisters, we lean on one another. And in time of those losses, it's better to lean into Messiah and just sit there with the one who has lost someone because they need us to just listen. They need our support. I can say we have grown quite a bit in our congregation. We will reach out and see what the others need. But I have seen over the years people get hurt because their their needs weren't met during this time. So I'm saying we may be jagged, but we continue to get those jagged edges smoothed out. Lean into the Lord for that compassion when you don't know what else to do for somebody. You may not want to make them a casserole. There's so many food allergies nowadays. But but you may be able to buy a gift card. You may be able to um, send them some flowers if they're a distance away. Just to know. Let them know you love them. And that's all you can do. All right. In conclusion, when we are out of our comfort zone, whether it is helping a brother or sister through a trial or during a loss, first, you must recognize if this is one of those jagged edges God is working on in you. Perhaps acknowledge that you, yourself, and the other person is 
if needed, and then lean in to show love to the other person and their family. It may be rough the first few times you do it, but it will eventually get smoother as you act in love over and over, and He will show you how to do it. In the same way, when you give to the poor and you give to the needy, He starts to help you with discernment. I did not say it will get easier, but it will likely become more smooth as the Holy Spirit works on you during these times. As the Spirit works in and through you, the bonds of the family through this process in the congregation will also become stronger. You will build the strings into cords, and this will help bind us all together. Let us lean into each other in times of need. When that person's in need, meet them where they need it most, not the way you know. Let us go to Him in prayer now. Father in Heaven, we thank You for this